Let's welcome Hendrico Blackie, 30 years old this week. Let's sing him happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Hendrico. Happy birthday to you. Come up. Come up. Come up. Wow. <laughs> I've never been felt in the face like that before. That was, that was fantastic. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you for honouring me on, uh, not the day of my birth, but close enough. Can't believe I'm 30. Woo. I think the people closest to me have heard enough about it. They're like, God, just get on with it. Move on. But it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Anyway, I'll, I'll get on with it because it's in my message as well. So you're going to hear more about it later. First of all, such an honour and a privilege every time to stand on any platform of Emerge Church, and I don't take it lightly. I, uh, I definitely ask God for a word that He wants to give to you, His church, and uh, I pray into it, I prepare it, I get nervous about it, and um, I'm still nervous, but I'm here to, to, I'm on a mission. God has given me a word to give to you, and uh, my prayer is that you receive it. So, Genesis chapter 15, verse 5 to 6 says, Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as, a, as righteous because of his faith. Let me pray. Lord, I pray that tonight your words will be heard, that the words that you want me to speak will come out, God, and then we'll go into the spirits of the people that hear it, God. Let us not leave the same, God, but let us forever be changed and be more like you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. So the title of my message tonight is Countless. Countless, and I've got a beautiful star background. Um, those are the stars that Abram looked at. Who, who believes me? <laughs> ah, I like your faith. I like your faith. Countless. So tonight, I want to talk about vision, how important it is to have a clear vision, how important it is to have a clear vision for your life, something that drives you, something that motivates you, something that gets you up in the morning. Without vision, we quickly wander. The Bible says without vision, the people perish. Without vision, we get lazy, we lack motivation, and we don't have intent. Vision is what fuels us. It's, what, it's the petrol for our engines. It's what feeds that ox inside of you. I don't, I don't know that. That was a picture that came to my mind. You're probably like, what, what does that even mean? But there's a little ox inside you that wants to work and plow the ground, but without vision, it starves to death. That's what vision is. It's the driving force that propels us forward. It's important. Vision is important. So I turned 30 on Thursday. Thank you for singing happy birthday to me. Tell you what, Thursday was not a fun day for me. I know there's a few of you that was like, what does that really mean? There's these on this side. It's like, yeah, that is, whew, 30 is old. Shut up. <laughs> so it wasn't a fun day, but I got over it. And I was just, I don't know, it was just, just 
Can I be transparent? I almost cried a couple of times. I don't know why. It was just really hard for me. Anyway, so I went home and I spoke to my dad about it. And uh, he's a wise man. He said to me, you're upset. You're down about it because you're an ambitious person. But you have not completed the tasks that you set for yourself in the allotted time that you gave yourself. And I was like, all right, that makes sense. There are a few things that I haven't yet been able to accomplish before I turned 30. But for some reason, my vision was capped at 30. It's like, nah, I hit 30, it's all over now. Everything's down here from here. And then I've got people that's in their 30s, of course they're in their 30s that say this, life only starts at 30. So you're the only one that says that in your 30s. These guys are like, no, I'm living now. So it's tough, but I'm, I'm getting over it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. But yeah, my, I, ha- I am an ambitious person. I have ambition. But the vision that I had was capped. I don't know why, but it was capped. When I was 22 or three, I wrote things in a book. It was like, goals, get married to Rosanna. Check. Done. I did it. And a few other things that I wrote in that, in that book. And there's a few things that I just didn't tick off. And it ticked me off. I'm an ambitious person. Isn't ambition, though, the same thing as vision? Well, it's not. It's not the same thing at all. Ambition is to have a strong desire to do or achieve something. Ambition is amazing. Being an ambitious person is such a benefit in life. But ambition by itself can ruin a person. Ambition will get you up, but only for so long. Ambition without vision will frustrate you. It will cause inconsistencies. It will bring a lack of resilience and grit. Ambition that is left unchecked will take you to a point of not even wanting to get out of bed anymore. Because you think to yourself, what's the point? I tried that, it didn't work. Done, leave it alone. It will take you to a point where you just feel like it's just a waste of time. Everything I do is because you don't have that driving force behind it. Ambition will get you up, but only for so long. And ambition can ruin you if left unchecked. Ambition is to have a strong desire to achieve something. Something. But vision is that something. Vision is that something. Vision is the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. That's what vision is. Ambition doesn't necessarily bring vision, but vision will always bring ambition. When you have something to aim for, something inside of you starts to stir up and you will get up in the morning. You will have that ambition to keep pushing. So if you're here tonight and you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm not an ambitious person, that's okay. Don't worry. Get a vision for your life and ambition will come. So I want us to look at the life of Abram tonight and see how a God-given vision drove him forward. So Genesis 12 verse 1 to 3 says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with content. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Not a bad vision. 
Not a bad thing to stick on the fridge to remind yourself every day. I'm going to be a great nation. Amen and yes to that. I want to receive that kind of vision. God gave Abraham a vision. Abraham was going to be a great nation. And this vision caused Abram, Abram to get up, to leave his native country and go. He didn't know where he was going, but it didn't matter. It was compelling enough for him to get up and go. So the first point of my message this evening is get up. This vision was big picture, but it was lacking a few details. It didn't have the how-to guide stapled to it when it was given to him. He didn't really have the step-by-step instructions in front of him when it was given to him. But the vision was compelling. It drove him. It was enough to get him up. The rest will come in due course, but in the early stages of a God-given vision, all he wants is for us to focus on getting up. He's not fussed about those little minor details yet. He just wants to cast a vision for you to compel you to get up, to stir something inside of you that causes you to get up in the morning, to get up and go. So the purpose of my message tonight is to stir something inside of you to wanna chase a vision, to get your own God-given vision. And if you are in this room and you're lucky enough to have a God-given vision already, let tonight be a revision for you and and an encouragement to continue to get up, to continue to push for that vision, to continue to work toward what God has given you. The vision is clear to Abram. God is going to make him into a great nation. It gets him up. And it gets him moving, not knowing where he was going in particular, but it didn't matter. He knew he was going to become a great nation. God was quite vague on the details though, and and that bugs me a bit. I'm a very detailed person. My wife might disagree with this sometimes, but I am for a guy. I'm pretty detailed, okay? I know females are much more detailed. I am detailed. I'm all right. If I look at my life and the vision that God gave me when I was in my early 20s, and I looked at the steps that I had to take to get to where I am today, I would think that God's not very good at routing out a map. He's, he probably needs a little bit of work, a little bit of guidance as to how to plan out a map, because I did things that I'm not doing anymore. And He led me down that path, and He took me to a point, and I learned a lesson, and then He rerouted me. And He's like, all right, now go here. And it's not because, well, maybe, here we go, here's a mirror. I don't think it's because I was doing the wrong thing. Maybe I was, I don't know. But I learned something and then he rerouted me. He's like, all right, I go down here and now do this. And and I look back and it's, it's a little oil over the shop, but I'm here now at 30 and I'm here. But it's okay, I got there. So God doesn't give us the full download of the route that we are to take. Instead, He gives us enough of the vision that compels us to get up. That's all. That's all He's caring about. That's what He wants to do. That first seed He gives you is a first step and a very compelling vision. That's what God does. That's what He's done for me. And I speak to a few people and that's what He does. If He's done something different to you, put it up on a Facebook post. Love to read it. That didn't, I didn't mean to say that sarcastically, all right? That came across wrong. I need to, yeah, okay, that's okay. So God's vague on the details, but that's okay. So be like Abram. 
when God calls you, when God gives you a vision, get up and take that first step. Take that first step toward the vision. Abraham at least had that first step. God said to him, get up and go to the land I will show you. Didn't know where I was going. I'll show you. It's all right. Come on. Leave everything you know. Come on. You're going to be a great nation. Come on. Just take that step. Just get up and go. Point number two, clean your windscreen. So I went on a road trip recently. It was an amazing road trip with Jason. It was a lot of fun. We, um, we made it all the, way, all the way down to Newcastle. And as we were driving, we drove a little bit at night. And uh, as we were driving, just bugs kept on coming in my windscreen. I'm trying to have a conversation with Jason, but I'm so annoyed at these bugs. And for some reason, they were doing bushfires or something close to, or backburn, or whatever they were doing close to where we were. So there's so many bugs just coming at the windscreen. And I'm just on that windscreen wiper stalk, just pushing it back, just pushing it back, just cleaning it, cleaning it, cleaning it. It's so frustrating. I hate dirty windscreens. I actually drove around for far too long with a massive crack on my windscreen. And um, it's frustrating. Having a dirty windscreen is frustrating. So I'm driving around and I'm, I'm convinced that this bug's vision is to ruin my vision. It wanted to dirty my windscreen so bad that I go off course, that I just crash into a ditch and I don't make it to my destination and that's what, that's what I felt these bugs were on a mission to do. That was their vision for, for their life, was to fly into my windscreen. Horrible vision, don't be like the bugs. So the longer you drive, the higher chance you get to get those bugs on your windscreen. If you're doing a long road trip, you're probably gonna get a bug or two on your windscreen or 55,000, whatever it may be. And so you just gotta keep cleaning that windscreen. Just keep your windscreen clean. This happened to Abram. Abram was 75 years old when God called him from his native country. Abram was 75 years old when he received his God-given vision. I'm not 75 and I've received my vision, so I'm glad I'm not in Abram's boat. But 75, and he gets his vision and he goes. But Abram still didn't know how he was gonna become a great nation. In 10 years, God had, had added to Abram's vision, telling him that he was gonna make Abram a, a great nation still. Telling Abram that God was gonna give him and his descendants the, the land of, the Can, of Canaan. So he added to it. And three different times, God came to Abram. Three different times, God said to Abram and kept on adding to it a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, saying, you and your descendants, I'm giving this land to you, you and your descendants. And then Abram's like, all right, cool. But really, are you really gonna give it to me and my descendants? So in Genesis chapter 15, 22, verse 5, Abram says, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. 10 years after he got called by God that he will be a great nation, he still doesn't have any descendants. And he's like, well, I mean, either you're a liar or I don't know, what's gonna go on? Abram had a dirty windscreen. After 10 years, he didn't clean it. Three times God said to him, I'm gonna give you this land, you and your descendants. 
So his windscreen was full of bugs. And he, his washer bottle was empty. He didn't stop to fill it up. He was squeezing for five years and, and now it's done. Now it's just dust in his washer bottle. And he's just going along the road with a dirty windscreen. And it made him very hard for him to see out of the car. For those that are in the car with him as well, it made it very hard for them to see a clear vision. So Sarah, Abraham's wife, tells Abraham that they need to take the vision into their own hands or maybe Hagar's hands, whatever it may be. Genesis chapter 16, verse one to three. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai took Abram. Sarai said to to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. Stop. (laughs) Just very dirty windscreen, okay? Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took, her, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. Pump the brakes, Abram. Just give it a, a chill, man. Just take the next exit. Just go into the servo. Clean your windscreen. Just stop. Don't do this. This is stupid. Your, your windscreen is obviously super, super dirty. Abram and Sarai knew the vision. They knew what God had said to them. They knew that God said that he will be a great nation. They knew that God said it will be his descendants that will be the great nation. But they're like, well, I can't see it happening any other way. It's not happening for us. So let's try this. Abram and Sarah got a little impatient. They thought that God was taking a little too long and they came up with their own plan. When you read on, this decision caused a lot of hurt, a lot of unnecessary hurt for all the people involved. If we aren't completely committed to seeing our our God-given vision God's way, unnecessary hurt is around the corner. I'm not prophesying doom over you. I'm just stating a fact. If you are not committed to do what God has asked you to do and you try to carve out your own path, unnecessary hurt is around the corner. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Unless God builds the house, the laborers build in vain. Allow Him to guide you. We do this by daily asking God to be our Lord. By daily getting up every morning going, you are in control. You are my Lord. You are my Saviour. Lead me, guide me. Do what you will in my life. That is how you continuously clean your windscreen. Tell him every day that you lay your life down at his feet and he will take you seriously if you take him seriously. Let God lead you. Don't try to do it yourself. Let God lead you. Keep cleaning your windscreen. As we continue to ask God to have his way in our lives, we won't lose our way. We won't wander off and we won't cause unnecessary pain. Point number three, be patient. Abram wasn't. Here's where I trip up sometimes. I'm a little impatient. I think my 30th birthday showed me that. A little impatient with myself. I thought I was pretty good at it though. I thought I was a pretty patient person because when I met Rosanna at the age of 20, I had to wait a little bit. 
Okay, there's no secret to those around me. I had to wait a little bit. I had to show a bit of patience. But I know what I wanted. And it was her. So I was willing to wait. I was willing to be patient. I was willing to do it God's way. And her father's way. And her way. I was willing to do it all. I was, I was, I was patient. I did it. I got my reward. It's good. It's good. It's good. (laughs) But being patient is not easy. It's not easy. We are a microwave generation. We stand in front of the microwave for three minutes going, oh my goodness, this is taking too long. And then we just go to drive-thru. The food's done, but you're in the drive-thru. We're just so impatient. We cannot wait to save our lives. We have a low success rate in patience. We do. We got to learn. We got to learn. Learn from Abram's mistakes. Be patient. So Abram stuffed up. We know it. He stuffed up. He made the wrong turn. He did some bad things. He got impatient, but he learned his lesson. And he decided to be patient. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 1 to 8 says, When Abram was 99 years old, 75 when he got it, 85 when he hit a pothole, 99 years old, 99 years old, 24 years later, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live, blame, and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will grow. Guaranteed to give you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell to his face on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you a father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It is no longer Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham. And now the message gets easier to preach. For you will be a father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you. From generation to generation, this is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan where you are now living as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. 24 years later, Abram gets a promotion. I've not been in a job for 24 years. And I've had to wait a few times for promotion. I've got a little impatient. Thankfully, I'm my own boss in some circumstances. So I give myself a promotion whenever I want. But Abram couldn't. Now finally, Abram is now Abraham. The name Abram means exalted father or high father. In other words, an honoured father. And you can read that as a singular. Uh, Yep, you're a father. And we honour you, that's great. But then his name got changed to Abraham, which means father of multitudes, father of nations. It now becomes far greater. And if you think about it, he was almost mocked every time someone said his name because he wasn't a father. But people called him Abram. Abram. Father, exalted father, exalted father. I'm not even a father. But now his name's Abraham. 
Abraham, the father of nations. Abraham was now called the father of nations. Everyone that now says his name is prophesying over him, saying that you will be a father of many nations. Spoken over him for 24 years, since 20, for 24 years beforehand, when God called him, was almost a lie, almost a mockery. Now it's a prophecy. You will be the father of many nations. This had to give Abraham, Abraham a boost, a nice confidence lifter. It looks like his patience has finally paid off. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 15 to 16, it says, Then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly. And she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will come from her descendants. But he was still a little unsure. He thought to himself, how can a man that's almost 100 years old get it done to get to be a father? And how can my wife that's 90 years old be able to do that too? Well, I don't blame him. I too would lack a little faith. I too would be a little confidentless at 99. But God was serious. Genesis 17 verse 19 says, but God replied, no. Because Abram's like, yeah, right, okay. Maybe just use Ishmael. Maybe use the, the, the one that I wasn't supposed to have. Bless him instead. And God's like, no. Sarah your, Sarah, your wife will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac. And I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. Abraham was going to have a son with Sarah. And his name was going to be Isaac. Finally, some great clarity for Abraham. Finally, something he can hang his hat on. Going, all right, I can see it now. This is what God was meaning 24 years ago. Finally, he's got some pieces to the puzzle that he can put together. Isaac is the one who God is going to use to make Abraham a father of nations. Isaac is the son of the promise. Isaac is the key to the vision. Being patient paid off. A year later, Isaac was born. So Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. Be patient. When the time's right, God will give you what you need. When the time is right, His timing is perfect. He's never late. He's never early. He is right on time. That would have been a shock to Abraham. He's never late. I'm a 99-year-old man. He's never early. He's right on time. His timing is perfect. All the things that I desire and that I want and that I know that is part of God's plan for my life and the vision that He's given me will come to pass. I've got to stay patient. This is something that I'm looking at right now. I've got to stay patient. I've got to stay on course. I've got to stay, keep on being led by God. I'm going to stay patient. I vow to do that. I will be a patient man, allowing God to lead my steps every step of the way. That is what I promise to myself. So point number four, God is still God. God is still God. Abraham has now, Abraham has now been walking over 25 years with God. 
Some days, not so step by step. But most of the time, he's doing really well. He's walking with God, guided by God. Everything's going to plan. His vision is now in full swing. He has his son, Isaac. Everything's getting added to him. His riches are going up. He's got an army. He's got his own army. He's already looking like a nation. He's got it all together. Everything is going for him. He's now starting to see a nation form. He's now starting to see a great nation come to pass. He's been blessed. He's been a blessing. Those that have come against him have fallen short. He's seen the things that God has promised him. That's the journey that Abraham has been on. Then comes Genesis 22. Genesis 22 verse 1 to 2 says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac. See now, Ishmael's not even recognised as a son anymore. It's pretty ruthless. But anyway, take your only son, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Go and sacrifice your son as a burnt offering. Don't just kill him, burn him. Burn him up, get rid of him completely. Kill him, take him out. Plot twist. This is, this is the promise. This is what Abraham has been waiting for. This is everything that God said would happen to him. At his hands and feet, his promise. He's seeing everything come to pass. Kill him. We don't want him anymore. Plans have changed. God asked Abraham to give up his vision. God asked Abraham to kill his vision. The vision that God gave him. The vision that he, was, that he worked so hard for. The vision that he stayed so patient for. The vision that he prayed for. The vision that he, him, him and his wife were holding on tight for, believing for. The vision that surprised him and his wife at age 100. The vision that he received from God. If I can get the band up, that'll be awesome. Why? Why would God do this? Why, could God, why would God ask Abraham to give up Isaac? Now, I've heard a few messages about this and God has definitely revealed some awesome truths to many people in the past. But when I, when I was praying about this and when I asked God, why, 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 would you do, why would you ask someone to do that? This is what I got. It was a test. Genesis 22, verse 10 to 13. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. He was willing to do it. He was ready to go. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And Isaac was so glad that his father's hearing was working at that point. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld him from me, even your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. Great word. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Even if it seems that God wants to take your vision back, the God-given vision, even if it seems that He wants to take it away from you, trust that God knows best. God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Abraham trusted God. Why was Abraham tested in this way? It comes down to this one truth. Your vision isn't your God. 
Nothing should take the place of God. Nothing should take the place of God in your heart. If God asks you to give up your dream, to give up what you work so hard for, to give up that God-given vision that He's given you, do it. Because your vision is not your God. God is still God. God is still God. And Abraham was put to this test. And Abraham was about to kill his own son, the vision. Kill the vision. And, I, and God saw Abraham's faith in him and his heart position in him. And that was enough. Are you willing to lay it all down? Are you willing to give it all up? Are you willing to say, you're still God? Are you okay with God changing the plans on you? Because you have to be. God is still God. Abraham was willing to give it all up for God. At God's command, Abraham would do anything, even go against the vision that was given to him by God and confirmed over and over again. This vision was not a joke. He got confirmed for 25 years. This is, this is your promised son. This is what's gonna happen. This is what's gonna happen. It's gonna happen through Isaac. He's gonna be the blessed one. He's gonna be your descendant. That's gonna, that multitude, multitude, multitude nations will come out of this one son. Either way, Abraham was either completely convinced that he was gonna raise Isaac back from the dead or he was okay with God changing the plans on him. He served God. God is still God. He gives you the vision for your life. Yes, He has a great plan for your life. He has a great future for you. He has a, a vision for you that should be compelling for you. God wants every single one of us to be so passionate about our vision that nothing will get in the way of us working toward it. Nothing will get in the way of us to go hard at it, to take it on. Nothing should get in the way except one thing. God is still God. If He turns you around, let Him. If He says stop, let Him. Listen to Him. God is still God. God wanted to test Abraham to see if the vision was greater than Abraham, greater in Abraham's eyes than God was. Turns out it wasn't. He was willing to listen to God. Be like Abraham. Be like Abraham. Let God be God. God is still God. God is God, not the vision. This may seem a little contradictory to the other three points I gave you, but it isn't. It's not contradictory at all. God is still God and He still wants every person to be encouraged enough by this message to seek God for your vision, the God-given vision. But whatever your vision is, whatever you get from God, it cannot be bigger than God. It cannot take God's place in your heart. Make sure it never becomes your God. As long as you commit to making sure that God is still God, I believe that God will give you incredible vision. He will give you an incredible vision, a vision that will get you up in the morning, a vision that will give you so much vigour, so much passion, so much energy that you can get up every morning, no matter what circumstance, a vision that is far greater than every fear that you face, a vision so hot that it melts away every fear that you face, 
a vision so hot and so passionate that it drowns out the noise in your head or the devil telling you that you're not good enough to be able to live a life like this. That's, what, that's the kind of vision that God wants you to have. But it cannot take God's place. God is still God. And you will know a vision is from God when it scares you. You will know a vision is from God when you think you can't. Because hey, you can't. Sorry, you can't. But God can. And God wants to use you. And God wants to take you further. And God wants to take you in the places that you thought you'd never be able to go. But you gotta keep your window clean. You gotta keep reminding yourself that God is still God. And He wants to get you up. He wants to get you up every morning. And you will know that the vision is from God when the vision is not about you.